0: Sex talk with Erica Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. So and okay, sex isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Erica Miley. Hey folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. Y'all be ready get ready to learn some shit today. I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited. I have Abby Rolf with me, mental health therapist specializing in transgender knowledgeable and inclusive care. Welcome. And Abby, please, for the audience, what are your pronouns? Erica, thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. My pronouns
1: are they, them, theirs.
0: Yes. So now, folks, you know where we're starting and where we're going. We're going to talk all about gender and language today. I'm so glad. I'm just stoked. I just can't wait. <laughs> I know. This is like this is like uh, the Erica nerd show. I feel like that's what the listeners get most of the time.
1: <laughs> I love language and particularly psycholinguistics, the way that our language shapes our thoughts and our actions. So this is a perfect topic, and I'm so happy to be here.
0: Oh my gosh. So you are a fellow nerd. I'm, I'm just totally a fellow nerd. I'm so glad. Okay. So I really want to get started from the the basics. And we kind of started before we started recording, talking about how to have conversations with with people that maybe are not so knowledgeable about language and gender and why it's important. So let's start a little bit from the beginning about how language is gendered.
1: Sure. So particularly in Western societies, but in many other languages, language is gendered. And particularly in the US, we have gender reveal parties and begin gendering and placing societal expectations on people from the moment that their genitals are known. The problem with this is That the perpetuation of gendered language is harmful, particularly for those individuals who are transgender and gender diverse and are therefore having assumptions made about them.
0: You are absolutely right and I want to say to the listeners one of the reasons why I wanted Abby to come on the show is that Abby has a beautiful way of being able to help educate people with compassion. So I want to say to all you listeners out there if you're getting this wrong, you're not bad. We're going to help you here. You you need to you need to be able to meet the people that you love with grace and compassion and learn how to use the language they need you to learn so that you don't harm them.
1: Absolutely. That's that's beautifully put. I like to give people a very basic example. If you go into a movie theater and you find that someone left a phone and you take that phone to the manager, most people don't say, "Oh, he or she left a phone." They say, "Oh, someone left their phone." And we inherently use gender-neutral language, we just don't really pay attention to how often we use it and the ways in which we use it.
0: Yes, all the time. I remember, and I, I want to put this out there too, I, I remember learning not only this part of gendered language, but I remember when I was in college and high school for the first time, learning about languages in general and trying to understand why we would gender some language and not other language and feeling really confused by it. Yes, I love the example of the phone. I love that. I think that's fantastic. I mean, who's going to leave their phone? But <laughs> I, I mean, real. Let's be real. But I mean, we've all probably tried to leave it in the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think about some of the ways, like maybe if you'd like to share a little bit of your journey or maybe some of the folks that you've talked to in their journey, as, I mean, of course, protecting their identities. but. How does someone maybe either start this journey or even if they want to ask somebody about this, how
1: do they begin? Just by being mindful. I think the more we bring into our sphere of awareness, the language that we use and how we use it, not only will we be more aware of using gender neutral language and our ability to do so, but we'll also have more insight into the way that our language affects other people.
0: Absolutely. Let's do the most basic ones. Let's kind of identify these different types of gendered words for people. I think that might be really helpful to maybe some people who've never and who may not even be, this podcast is worldwide, may not even be familiar all that much with English. So maybe the the two of us should talk about some of the gendered language options there are.
1: Sure. So, of course, starting with pronouns, the way that we refer to people, whether they are present or not, but when we're referring to them in the third person. Most common pronouns are he and she. Those are, of course, gendered pronouns making either assumptions about an individual or using the accurate pronouns an individual tells you that they go by. There are a plethora, however, of other options for pronouns. Most common as a gender neutral pronoun is they, them, theirs, but there are additional other options that people go by and using a person's accurate pronouns is tantamount to basic human respect, just like using the name that they go by.
0: Yes, absolutely. So what are some of those the other examples? Some people out there may not be as familiar with some of the other examples other than they, them, theirs.
1: Sure. So honestly, there are so many. A great resource is the Trans Student Educational Resource, which actually has a table of different pronoun options. So one that I've heard is Fay, F-A-E. F-A-E. They fair phase. Z is an option, which is either Z-E or X E. So Z, Zir, zeers. and many follow that the same pattern linguistically, that same format.
0: I think that's really, really cool that they follow the same format. So it makes it to incorporate it into your language would I would imagine be a little bit more seamless.
1: Absolutely. And for those who need practice or want to more visually see how those pronouns work, there's a website called practicewithpronouns.com where you can select a pronoun and practice using it in different ways in a sentence
0: practicewithpronouns.com. I'm writing this down because it's all going in the show notes folks so that you can get out there and take a look at these. And I I think this might even be an excellent opportunity like that website practicewithpronouns.com. Like just like you would go on Duolingo to learn another language because you want to respect the culture maybe that you're traveling to, this can be viewed the same way. Yes, that's absolutely right. Sorry. So you're good. (laughs) You're totally good. (laughs) I was nodding
1: and then realized this was not a video.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're totally good. This happens to me all of the time. (laughs) Like, yes, that. Yeah. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You're totally good. So like, I just think about how much time it took me when I was taking Spanish because I was terrible at learning Spanish. Terrible. I would practice a lot, but my retention of it was really, really tough. Like I, for whatever reason, that it was tough for me to learn. And what I did was, I went and I made flashcards. This was before, like we had the the cell phone. Oh man, I dating myself big time. This is when we had flip phones. So like we didn't have the smartphone in our hands all the time to practice. So I think taking something like practice with pronouns and going, oh, okay, I'm actually going to practice these pronouns and understand them better. Then what a wonderful way to kind of look at this.
1: Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you bring up Spanish romance languages are traditionally very gendered. And I saw a wonderful article not long ago in Spanish. Pronouns for he is L, and she is ella. And the article shared that there's been an evolution of language to incorporate gender-neutral pronouns into Spanish, and the pronoun is les, L-E-S.
0: Les. Oh, I like that. That's uh, That is wonderful. I like that. I actually maybe even... I'm sure we we need to not like take other people's culture and use it as our own. No cultural appropriation here, but I think that's wonderful that they are bringing something that again fits with that that language pattern much like some of the other examples you gave.
1: Certainly, and and I'll say that particular example was useful when I was explaining my own pronouns to a dear friend for whom Spanish is their first language and so they had grown up primarily speaking of very gendered language and had little experience with gender neutral terms. So giving the concept of less as a gender neutral term was very helpful for them to be able to understand my gender neutral pronouns. Yeah,
0: that's wonderful. Wonderful example. Quick break from the action folks. (laughs) Action. (laughs) I just want to tell you about my Patreon every week. I bring you guests and, seriously, lots of sex nerdery. <laughs> Help me keep doing that by becoming a supporter. What do you get in return? Cool perks. For real. I am going to be doing shout-outs, stickers, a bunch of stuff. So check it out at erikamileycom forward slash Patreon. That's E-R-I-K-A-M-I-L-E-Y dot com forward slash Patreon. I hope to see you and see more of you by becoming a Patreon. Thanks guys. What do you think we should be able to say or talk about, like maybe with loved ones or or family members that are really having a hard time getting the pronouns. And most of the time when I see many people make this error, they feel a lot of shame about it. So, What would you say, or maybe a good hint or tip for them to do to be able to kind of get this right so they don't harm anyone? The greatest
1: two things that you can do while practicing. First, when you're talking about the person and they aren't around when you're talking about them to other people or even thinking about that person, practicing using the accurate pronouns. Yes. And the second is when you're talking, having a conversation either with that person or with that person and other people keeping their pronouns in the front of your mind. Because I found in my personal experience, what has happened is I'm in a conversation with two other people and one refers to me in the third person and I know they know my pronouns and I know that it's not intentional or malicious, but they just slide right on through and she comes out instead of they. And in debriefing some of those conversations, what I found is the person isn't focusing on it. Because Mm -hmm. we become so conditioned to use gendered pronouns. It's what we learn in school. It's generally what folks grow up using. Mm -hmm. So if we don't consciously think about it and make an absolutely conscious effort to use accurate pronouns for people, slip ups happen.
0: Absolutely. I think it also is really, really, if you know that this is something that you struggle to do, like, I think this might be a really good time to talk about how to apologize for this.
1: Absolutely. So, the last thing that you want to do is make a big deal out of it. Because oftentimes, all we, gender minority people, want is to just move on and keep going. Because unfortunately, the reality of what happens is people make a big deal out of an apology, and then it turns into a scenario where I'm making you feel okay about misgendering me. Right. And that's not our goal. So if you accidentally use the wrong pronouns for someone, say, oops, correct yourself and move on. No differently than had you accidentally used the wrong first name or pronouns for, say, a cisgender person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm, right. I'm from the Midwest. So we occasionally say, oh, and move on.
0: <laughs> I think that's a wonderful example of just how to handle it and roll with it. I have definitely stumbled over my words, even just with surnames, mm-hmm. like looking at someone and saying, and, and they had identified themselves as Mr. And actually just being like, Ms. I mean, Mr. My bad. You know, you just, you roll with it. You let them know that you are correcting the word or whatever you're saying, and then you move on. Absolutely. And that's perfect. As far as like, because I think we could get in real deep into this, (laughs) but what are some of the things that you would like the folks out there to understand about coming to terms with like that journey of I'm going to maybe find a different pronoun that fits better for me?
1: Part of the journey is that Understanding that gender is and can be fluid for people. So, the process of finding a pronoun that fits, finding a pronoun that feels most affirming, as well as the process of finding a name that feels most accurate, can take a while. And it can take trying them on and seeing how they feel. Because, you know, we can practice in the mirror all day long. But until we are actually out hearing people, hearing our friends, hearing our family use those pronouns, we won't really know how we feel. So, understanding that the process is and can be fluid, especially if you're talking about someone who's not exclusively binary. So, someone who is genderqueer, genderfluid, bi gender, um, I could go on. But those mm-hmm. individuals who are not exclusively masculine or feminine there might be use of different pronouns on different days based on how the individual is experiencing themselves that day and based on how they're presenting themselves to the world. So here's where we talk about those assumptions again. If you meet someone and they give you their pronouns the first time, don't make the assumption that those will always be their pronouns because perhaps Mm -hmm. they were having... A more masculine day and wanted to go by he, him, his. And Mm -hmm. then perhaps another day they're feeling themselves as more neutral and want to go by they, them, theirs. So instead of making the assumption that pronouns are concrete and absolute, which of course we know they aren't, normalizing asking and talking about pronouns. And this can be as simple as, hey, are your pronouns he, him, his today? Or, hey, which pronouns are you using today? Because you're showing respect and dignity to that individual by wanting to address them accurately.
0: Absolutely. And I like to remind people that we ha- were all children once. <laughs> and we were all children once playing with these ideas, e- even sometimes around our name. Mm-hmm. Like I there, I was dead set, dead set, when I was a very young child that instead of Erica, my name was. Oh, my mom is going to hear this and laugh her ass off that I'm even sharing this story. That I was going to be Daisy May. That was I was dead set, dead set. She didn't criticize me. She didn't get angry with me. She just she let me figure it out. Like. Let me live in that, that place of creativity as a, as a kid. And I think that that's part of this process when you're trying to, when you're walking down this path, is allowing for whatever there is to be.
1: Without the limitations and bounds that have been placed on us by others and those expectations that we have maybe tried to live up to or been repeatedly reminded about. This is about figuring ourselves out.
0: Beautiful. Beautifully put. You know, I need to get you a coffee cup that says that right there. (laughs) Absolute. That's the Abby meme right there. I love it. So uh, tell me, I think this might be a good opportunity maybe so that we can kind of open the door to maybe those who are are scared maybe to go into mental health therapy who don't know what that process is like because you do this is this is something that you that you specialize in you specialize in transgender knowledgeable and inclusive care like that is a big deal and not everybody is out here doing that For the person who's going to walk through or or call you for the first time, what do you want them to know? I'm a safe space. I see you. And no
1: matter what name you go by, what pronouns you use, or how you identify, you are valid.
0: Mm. I'm getting chills over here, y'all. I got a little chills, a little chills. I want to cry. That was beautiful. I just think that being able to, when you feel so lost in this world and you don't feel seen by anyone, Having someone like you that they can go to and know that they can be seen is so important. Absolutely. And
1: not only be seen, but to be safe. So many of us um, are concerned about being authentic because of safety issues. And Mm -hmm. in my office, I have implemented not only a non-discrimination policy, but an anti-discrimination policy based on the hate has no home here where my office does not tolerate hate phobia or any kind of aggression based on an individual's intersecting identities or really in general, because I want people to come here and know that they are safe.
0: I think that the idea of standing up in your values isn't just staking a claim in your perspective space, like saying this is a safe space. No, you are saying, no, I have an anti, I am against this. My values are right up front. See them, know them.
1: And they are right up front. I have a poster right when you walk in in
0: my my front door. (laughs) That is so awesome. So I think this is the the best time for you to tell people how to find you. You are taking clients right now.
1: I am. My practice recently opened. I have a small private practice in Largo, Florida, and I can be found at healingvillagetherapy.com.
0: And of course, that wonderful psychology today, that that psych today has got us all therapists from there. So please, please, if you are in need of a therapist that absolutely can hold a safe space for you and be compassionate and where you need to be able to express whatever you need to express and walk down that journey, Abby has got you, got you, got you, got you. Abby, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Erica. Absolutely. Folks, thanks for sticking around to the end. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the Gram, and Twitter.